Hey, what's going on? John, a cut above horror review episode number 66, and we are kicking off Halloween Horror Month. Yep, Jacqueline's picked this week, and we're bringing in very special guests, I believe for her sixth time, Nicole from Light Shadow Horror Podcast. So uh, kick back, relax. We are chatting about Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas from 1993. Great discussion on this one. Episode number 66, a cut above horror review starting right about now. Cut my life into pieces. Good evening and welcome to a cut above horror review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we'll be discussing The Nightmare Before Christmas from 1993. But before we begin, let's meet everybody else on the show. First up, let's welcome back our favorite guest host, Nicole. Hey, hey. How you doing, Nicole? Good. Glad glad to be back for this movie that may or may not be appropriate for the season. So uh, we'll have to get into that. Hot take. We will be discussing. We will be debating, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole has controversial views. Mm-hmm. There's, Anyways, a, there's, a, there's a faction. That's all I'm saying. There's a faction. I understand. <laughs> well, thanks for coming back, Nicole. It's been far too long since we've had you. It's been more than a week. So how can we go on without you, <laughs> without you coming to visit? So thanks. Uh, thanks for coming, especially on short notice. Happy to be here. <laughs> Next up, I'm switching things up. It's John. What's Whoa, going on, hey, John? Hey, hey, hey there. How you doing, Jacqueline? Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, thanks, guys, for going on without me last week. I was so bummed that I couldn't make it, but um, thank you guys for keeping the show running. We tried. Our, <laughs> our buddy Hydraberg actually did a pretty fine job as as host. So, what's up, Hydraberg? What's up, Jacqueline? Your job's hard. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, stop it! Is. And you did a great job. And last but not least, Nicole, thank you, thank you, thank you again. That It is very, very short notice, but uh, we just love having you on Light and Shadow Podcast. Go listen to where, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Yeah, I almost forget to mention your podcast anymore because you've been on so often. And I, 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 Actually, I feel like we can kind of claim you as ours. Like, we're yes. your main podcast now. Like, you do this podcast more than your podcast. So Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> true. That's true this right now. Podcast. Yeah, it's, it's been a it's now. been a dry spell. It won't last forever, and I have other things kind of like simmering. Uh, but this year has been this year has been a little bit of focus on other things. But uh, mm-hmm. that's and that's why I'm always happy to guest on yours and our uh, you know other friends' podcasts because any excuse to get with other nerds and talk about horror, I'm always down. Well, we love you. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. All right, fellas. So it's been a week. Wow, well, it's been two weeks. One what? more person. You forgot well, we, to introduce well, Hydraberg. Well, it's Hydraberg. We were already talking to him. <laughs> Hi, Hydraberg. Welcome. Uh, hello, Jacqueline. Say hello to the people. Hi, Nicole and John. Hi. John. Hi, Hydraberg. Hi. Hey. Good job last week, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. You did do a good job, Hydra. I was only I've, I've only had time to listen to the first half of the show, but you were you were great. You're fine. You're keeping I'm not it used ticking. to uh, having to move everybody along. You know, I'm used to like just mucking around and you can you can do that. I, I normally just like I pay attention to like I get to my reach around and then after that I just slack off. But... 
<laughs> this is exactly why I call her our fearless leader because you I do know. that for us. Seriously. Harder than it seems. Yep. Well, there I was listening, like I said, I listened about the first half, and there was one part where you and Bob and Randy were going off about some random, I don't know, spaghetti or some shit. I don't know what it was, but I was like, all right. I was like yelling at my radio. I'm like, let's let's move it along, fellas. <laughs> let's get past the spaghetti. We don't need to discuss this anymore. Yeah, it was right after fucks or sucks. <laughs> A lot of lot of discussion about noodles. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm happy to be back with you guys. Happy to be here with Nicole, and I'm really excited to talk about this movie. But we have other stuff to get to first. John, <clears throat> what is the news? The news is this is probably the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Is the Nun oh, Two no. is coming out? Uh, I don't know how you say her name. Is it Thaisa Farmiga? Yeah, is that, I think is that so. how you say? Okay, uh, she's returning as Sister. Irene, uh, it's hitting theaters September 8th, 2023. Have you guys, any of you guys seen The Nun? No. Nope. I've listened to all of the advice of my peers who have said, do not do it. So I have, I have heeded their warnings. So an unnecessary uh, sequel to a movie. Who movie. wants this? Exactly right. Uh, okay. How about, how about a more, more uh, I guess, polarizing movie? The final trailer from halloween ends did come out have we all seen this i did yeah because i went to the movies this week and it played before the movie i saw what movie smile (gasps) recommend uh yeah i recommend it if uh, you want to go to the movies and get you know get scared a little bit it's a good watch it's not going to win any awards but i enjoyed it okay all right uh i'm not really excited about this movie the gore looks like it's going to be awesome some of the kills look like they're going to be great yeah like, they show them all in the trailer they, yeah i was just gonna say we saw them one of them like very explicitly like yeah. what do we need the movie for they give away a lot in the trailer yeah it almost seems like michael myers won't be michael myers it's going to be somebody else <laughs> like the reveal is going to be somebody else Oh yeah, I've been waiting for that, like for the whole franchise. I've been waiting for it to be somebody else. So, what do you mean? What do you mean? It it just seems like okay. They they make a point in the trailer itself of uh of Lori's daughter dying, and it's almost like a like a gray grainy flashback of that happening. But there was almost like, and I had to pause it. Like Lori had this surprised look on her face when Michael apparently Michael is on the ground. And she takes off the mask. Whereas there's another scene where somebody is holding a mask, uh, standing up, like maybe in the street somewhere. It just, it, it, there seems like there's going to be some sort of weird reveal of who Michael Myers is. I see. Well, okay. So like a literally different person is, is no, so Nicole, that's what you're, you were waiting for. Well, whenever H2O came out, it was uh-huh. the first, you know, movie in the series in like a long time. And it was like Laurie Strode was coming back. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Lori has lost it and she's the one killing everybody. Mm-hmm. And I thought that might be the reveal. So yeah. that, you know, that was a long time ago, but like I've yeah. that. And then also in scream, like I'm, I'm like, when are they going to like make Sydney the killer? I don't think that's going to happen now, but like at some point I thought that. So yeah, I don't guess um, a slasher franchise has done that yet. I don't want them to do that necessarily, but it's, it just seems like a, the direction that somebody would go. I don't think they're going to do that with Halloween ends, but if we they, never know. We don't know what they're going. I thought to. I thought Rob Zombie was going to do it with his second Halloween film. 
I'm being serious. I'm not just saying that. Just yeah, like, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we're uh, uh, like elements of that with Laurie Strode's Laurie Strode. character. So yeah, she's, she's, yeah, she's the trauma and yeah. she's going through it. Mm-hmm. And she seemed mm-hmm. like she was sleepwalking or, or like, you know, seeing through Michael's eyes. So I was like, oh, are they going to switch it on us? I don't know, Nicole. I I, I kind of love that idea. If it, if it was Laurie Strode, I mean, that she's so traumatized by the whole thing that it, it just engulfed her. So she kind of turns like Michael Myers was catatonic and just had no feeling whatsoever. You know, maybe, she, maybe this, this was all like a pipe dream that, that, you know, she has to avenge whoever and kill Michael Myers, but maybe so she- who was the guy that all the townspeople were trying to kill in the last one, or do you saying that didn't happen? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, Maybe all the townspeople became Michael Myers because that's what happened. Right? He, everybody became the thing that they feared, right? They, they became 100 like, Michael Myers running around. <laughs> like, I'm, Michael Myers. No, I'm Michael Myers. Okay, I would actually love that. Can we have a town just full of Michael Myers? Oh that, that would be an unexpected twist I'll I could get it. behind. It would be like a Halloween movie. Horror Nights. Yeah. yeah. Around every corner. Uh, I do have one more uh, story. Bill Skarsgård. He is playing Eric Draven. He's going to be the crow. Uh, they just yeah, I've heard that already. Yeah. They just wrapped film, filming in uh, Europe. Yeah. They had Jason Momoa attached for a while. And then that he dropped out. I don't know. Um, I approve of this casting. Skarsgård new- is also going to be in Nosferatu. Robert yeah, Eggers. That's, so that's what I thought John was going to say. Because I read about that. Yeah, and he was I just thought that's what John that. was going to say. Bill Skarsgård to me can do no wrong i'll no, uh, like really i will good. approve i will support his casting no, choice in anything I, i'm cool with another crow movie but why do we need another eric draven crow movie? there are other characters like the crow's taken other people's bodies before giving them back their souls for a while to you know get revenge like it's a story that it's like an anthology almost like you don't need the eric draven story to be retold yeah isn't the crow a graphic novel it is and there's other iterations of that character, like besides Eric Draven. Well, it's like Captain America wasn't always Steve Rogers, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I, so I just feel like, I don't know, it kind of feels odd to take the same character that um, Brandon Lee played. Maybe they're playing it safe because, you know, remakes yeah, make money and the people know. who have seen the movie might not know that there are other. I guarantee people, people are dumb enough that if you just like, put a crow character in there. They're going to think it's the same guy anyway. Oh, so it's the guy from last time. I'll tell you what they need though. They need to have a dope soundtrack because the original yeah. crow soundtrack was, was money. I, I, I still have that CD, bro. Do you really? Yeah. I wore awesome. that thing out I in my car on there. Helmet raised against the machine. Nice. Pantera. Pantera. Yeah. Badge. Oh my God. Uh, Henry Rollins. Yeah. I don't know. That's all I got. Are you all rolling right. your eyes at us? No, I got something oh, yeah. in my eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to as be discreet, said, but you had to call me out. Like, oh, yeah, that's great. Me <laughs> no, I'm not rolling my eyes. I'm trying to. I'm like sticking my finger in my eyeball right now. <laughs> so, so Jack, anyway, <laughs> Jacqueline, this is your pick kicking off uh, Halloween Horror Month. Um, you picked something that could be considered controversial, which is Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. In yourself. Well, I I am aware that there are dueling factions of fans of this movie some who claim it's a halloween movie and some who claim it's a christmas movie i i don't have like aggressive feelings about this but 
in my heart, it's a Halloween movie because it was released in October in 1993. And I specifically remember um, my grandmother and my great grandmother visiting from California right around that time. And they took me and my cousin, Jeremy, who's five years younger than me. They took us to the theater to see it in the theater in late October. I'm pretty sure we saw it opening weekend. I was 11 years old and it had a profound impact on me and has a very, very fond place in my heart. And because I saw it at that time of year, it was just immediately imprinted on me as a Halloween movie. So that's, that's the only reason that I, I mean, I can definitely see the argument that it's a Christmas movie, but for me personally, it's a Halloween movie. And, um, I I think, I think maybe no other movie gets me in the Halloween spirit as quickly as this movie does. This is like the must, the, the absolute necessary, uh, beginning of October watch for me. So I was pleased. I, I was pleased that it worked out that I had the first slot of the month. So thank you for letting me pick it. Oh, you, you bet. Um, so <laughs> I feel weird about leading into this one. <laughs> this is a family movie. Um, but Jacqueline, does this really <laughs> fuck or does it suck? It fucks. Okay. It's, it's special and magical. It fucks, period. What about you, Nicole? What do you think? So because this is a family movie and because I have the exact same experience as you, I saw it in the theater when I was a child. Um, I feel like I can't give it the the requisite, you know, category. I'm just going to say it's great and it's magical. <laughs> does it hump or does it bump? That is not any better. You, no, I don't think you no? can even say no. that. I tried to think of a cute something, but there, I don't have I don't have a cute something. So that's OK. Yeah. <laughs> Perfectly acceptable. John, what say you? <clears throat> I th- I told you, uh, you two young ladies, uh, that I got to reveal something about myself with this movie. Uh, you said this came out in October of '93, so I was yes. 17 years old. I was a senior in high school. Um, I've never seen this movie. I've heard great things. I think you know wow. it, it's a must-watch, uh, but it, it's always been a blind spot for me. I'm again, I nothing bad to say about this movie, but it. I hadn't seen it. And I, I will surprisingly say I agree with Nicole. Um, there's our little our little thing going on. Uh, but this movie does fuck. Okay. Great. Hydroberg, what do you think? Um, this is a this is a Halloween movie and Die Hard's a Christmas movie, and I stand by that. Fair. Uh, I'm not just kidding. This could be seen <laughs> as both, to be honest. Um I'm this for me, this is a nostalgic fuck that just never gets old. Good, nice. I can't believe you've never seen it, John. That's cool that you watch it now for the cast. Yeah, I mean, it's. I was married. I had a stepdaughter when I was married, and you know, she never had any interest in seeing it. So again, it was it was always a blind spot for me. And being seven, we all have them. Yes. Mm -hmm. So So Hydraberg, when did you first see this movie? I saw it in theaters when it came out. Really? Okay. Yeah. So you were a child too, but were you a young teenager? Okay. So just barely. Was it 93, right? Yeah. 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 Nicole, what about you? When did you first see it? Do you remember? Yeah. I saw it in the theater. theater. Okay. You said that. So I would have been nine. I've seen it in the theater a couple of times, actually. Mm -hmm. Not just when it released, but 
And my mom also took me to see um, Edward Scissorhands in the theater, which, you know, would have been close to the same time. I don't remember what year it came out, but like both of those movies, even though I didn't know what directors were and all of that, I do remember those movies like feeling similar to me and like having Mm -hmm. a similar impact on me. Um, So I definitely think that like Tim Burton kind of like both warped my childhood and made it really special at the same time. Yeah, Scissorhands was in ninety. I think if Tim Burton oh, heard wow. you say that, that he that would be like his, like the fulfillment of his life's yeah. goal. And like in <laughs> Edward Scissorhands, I remember um, I was so I felt so bad for him that I was like weeping in the theater. And I remember a woman leaning over and asking my mom, like, "Is is she okay? Like, is she gonna be okay?" Like, that's how upset I was because I felt so sorry for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember. I remember having a, a similar emotional reaction. Yeah, but she, Aww. to her credit, she did not take me out. You know, she's like, "No, it's fine. You're supposed to emotionally react to this. We're gonna enjoy this movie." And I was fine. I kind of got over it. And, you know, enjoyed the rest. Had of it, you but- seen Beetlejuice as well before that? Uh, yes, but I probably saw Beetlejuice, um, probably on VHS. I don't remember going to the theater. Because this shares some vibes from Beetlejuice as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. Well, I think Tim Burton has similar kind of themes throughout his movie. Yeah. Just this kind of fantastical plot or, 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 or fantastical, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, aesthetic. Yeah. It's, I like Tim Burton. I think he's, I think he's a brilliant director. Well, let me, but before we go any further, I do feel the need to clear something up. Yes. Just so we're, we're all clear going forward. Um, the full title of this movie, I believe, is actually Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, but he didn't direct However, it. he did not mm-hmm. direct it. Um, it was no. directed by Henry Selleck. Yeah. But what Tim Burton did do, he was like, this was like his brainchild. He conceived of the whole story and the characters okay. and, and the visual look of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and I'll get into this more when we get to trivia, but he basically was just too busy to direct this. He was doing like, uh, Batman returns and something else. And so he, um, so he handed it off to another director, Henry Selleck, who was experienced in doing stop motion animation. So yeah. Cause Selleck, I believe also did uh, corpse ride, right? Did he, I believe he came back and did corpse ride. Cause I was looking at that. Okay. I I didn't remember. I couldn't remember one way or the other. So I, I know he did do Coraline and James. And oh, maybe that was Peach. it. That might have been it. Coraline. Yeah, because I think Tim Burton did do Corpse. Yeah, that's Friday. what I was thinking. Coraline. Yeah, so Cor- Coraline and James and the Giant Peach, which I'm not sure if I've seen James and the Giant Peach. It's funny. But... All three of these movies are uh, pole picks right now for Straight Sean. Yes, they are. <laughs> so have I you voted yet? Yeah, I voted for Coraline because we're covering this movie. So I'm like, I'd rather see them cover something. And plus, I'm not that familiar with Coraline. I've seen it, but it's been a while. It's based on a Neil Gaiman book, I think. Yeah, it is. I think. Yeah. What were you saying, John? I read James and the Giant Peach. I've never seen the movie. Oh, the book is so good, isn't it? It's great. Oh, Roald Dahl. Mm-hmm. Anyway, John, you want to hit us with that spoiler warning so we can get to Heidelberg's reach around? You bet. We are going to be talking about Tim Burton's A Nightmare Before Christmas from 1993. If you have not seen this movie, highly recommend from all of us to go watch it. Pause the podcast, go watch it, then come back to find out what we thought about it. All right. Hyderberg, do you have a reach around plot summary for us? I do. Y'all ready? ready? Oh, yeah. On the most special night in Halloween Town, its most important resident is wearing a frown. For he's grown tired of going around. 
and spreading fear throughout his hometown. He yearns for something different, but doesn't know what that is. He's tired of his job of scaring the kids. So he wanders through the woods outside the town that he lives. Now all of his friends are concerned where he's been. Stumbles along Christmas Town, and it's filled with such joy. Now Jack has an idea to please all the girls and the boys. He and his friends will make all the toys. Boogie's gang is tasked with kidnapping Santa as Sally tries to escape from her maker because only she knows that this is a mistake. Baby rattles swap with rattlesnakes. Other toys that kids adore replaced with creatures and things of gore. Now Jack realized he's messed up bad, has one more surprise in Santa's bag. So Zero's tail begins to wag. They travel back down through the tunnel to find that Santa's now in some trouble. The boogeyman has got him good as Jack's pulled threads from his hood. He unravels Oogie, who's done for good. He was made of bugs and icky things. Now Santa gets back to the joy he brings. He fixes all the things gone wrong as Halloween Town breaks out in song. Love is what Skellington's been missing all along. Jack wanders up a hill overlooking a valley and finds his girl, the one named Sally. As they embrace, they do a spin. Oh, where, where has she been? Because Sally was made for him. (laughs) I love that one. That one just delighted my heart. Jacqueline looked like she was gonna cry. <laughs> I was so into it. Yeah, it was so, so good. Was great. Thank you. That was so good. And you know what? I love that you kind of touch on the heart of the matter, which is that he thinks he's missing this or missing that, and what he's missing is love. Yeah. Which is what well, I wish they spent a little bit more time together, actually. Uh him and yeah, because they kind of end the film with like, oh, and then I would love. Uh, like a, a sequel just to see like what they've been up to, you know, how their relationships blossoms, like if they had kids or whatever. Yeah. I know there was like plans possibly for a sequel, but it never happened. I have trivia about that. Yeah. I don't even yeah. think I, could, I was looking it up. I don't even remember there being like a straight to DVD or VHS copy of like a sequel. Cause sometimes Disney movies would do that. Yeah. No, there, there were a couple of video games. There were, but I never really mm. played them. Yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'll delve into all that later with trivia. Cool. Yeah. So I'd love to start out by asking. So, John, I hadn't even realized until just tonight that you hadn't seen this movie before. So I'd really love to get your take as like a first time watcher and like, what did you as expect adult, going yeah. in? How, like, what did you know about it? And what were your expectations? And were, was reality different from your expectations? Tell me everything. I didn't really have any expectations for this. I, it, it's a Tim Burton feature now that I know that he didn't direct it. I thought the stop motion animation was wonderful. I mm-hmm. thought it was really, really good. Uh, you guys know me in songs and in horror movies. I'm not a fan, but this is like the, you know, you're bopping your head and you're enjoying it. And you're like, oh, this is this is great. OK, this is what it's supposed to do now. I did not get Halloween vibes from this movie. And the reason why I'm on Nicole's side with this is because Halloween Town first starts the day or that night Halloween's wrapping up and into the next day, which is when Jack, you know, finds that he's missing something. And when is the time of year that most people, you know, fall in love or want to start something new? It's right around the holidays where they come together, right? So. That's why it was a Christmas movie for me. It, it, I see why it's a Halloween. I, and I love the fact that they made some really scary, like, like looking creatures in here at the beginning. Cause I know that would scare the shit out of kids. It, it's just, they're like, oh, what is that? And Mr. Oogie Boogie. Oh Lord. They're like, no, no. Turn in there. 
closing their eyes and then it's unraveled and all that shit comes out of them. Yeah. Yeah, it is quite dark. I, I watched it kind of with different eyes this go around since we were reviewing it. And in my mind, I like I always kind of view it as like an innocent childhood movie. But when I I was I was watching it again last night and I was kind of thinking about it through, you know, like a, I was kind of like imagining my kids watching it. I was like, oh, this is dark. Um, I think so, 11, 11 was probably a good age for this. I was going to say, how appropriate <laughs> yeah. do you think this film has any of your kids seen it yet? No, no, I, I definitely think it's way too scary for them. So yeah. it's way too dark. Yeah. I mean, like cutting heads off dolls and like dead people. I, I don't. Yeah, it's I like it's silly, like, but it's also very macabre at the same. Yeah, it's like a fine line that it rides kind of. And, and again, that's not a judgment of parents who do no. let their children watch it at a younger age. Certain children, I think, are more, you know, worldly or they've seen kind of other things. Um, my kids, they're just too easily scared. Like we're we're at Daniel Tiger level right now. Okay. So there's there's no they, they don't really like this. They if they see something that they do think is scary, they tend to obsess about it for like weeks on end, even just like a little bit like there was like a crocodile in a movie or something recently. And they can't, they like couldn't stop thinking about it for weeks. So Wait, you, you made them watch X. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I thought it would be okay, but weirdly they were bothered by it. So well, I, it's I, not, and it's not fun. If like, if your kids are really scared, exactly. You know, yeah. like there's, exactly. there's fun scared. And then there's like, I'm upset scared. And yeah, like, exactly. you, want, you want them to have fun memories associated with these things. Exactly. I don't actually want to terrify them or, you know, <laughs> make them like worry in their beds at night, like is something coming. So I, you know, for, for my kids, I think they're just too young. And the other thing is like, it's really hard for me to, even if like my oldest child were ready for it, which I don't think he is, but even if he were the two, like the five-year-old and the three-year-old kind of tend to do everything together. So it's like, I can't really let him do stuff until the three-year-old is yeah, ready is for ready, it too. Yeah. Five's probably so, a little too young. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, like 11 years. and eight might be good. When, yeah. When your oldest is 11 and the little yeah. guy's eight, maybe that might work. So I think this is like your quintessential PG movie, you know, with a G movie, you can send your kids in there by themselves to go watch the movie and have a great yes, time. But exactly. I, I, I think this, it's weird to say it, it's like such a great family movie. Like you sit down and regardless if you feel it's a Halloween movie and you guys celebrate that more or, or you, you like it during the holiday season. I mean, it really is a quintessential. Just everybody can sit around the TV. You know, there's some there's some questionable, like like you said, Heidelberg, there's some macabre things in there, cutting off the heads and worms crawling everywhere. Yeah, you know, there's like Dracula, the Wolfman. There's like little mm-hmm. monsters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're and, just you know. comical enough to where they can get a laugh at that. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I think yeah. they're hilarious. But I think they're great. Um, but I, I think if I were like six or seven, I don't I don't. I don't think that would work so yeah. well. And like Jack himself is not overly scary at all. It's everything around him that's kind of like the scary part. Mm-hmm. Like Halloween Town is scary. So, so John, I guess to to your point about how th- to you this felt like a Christmas movie, and Nicole, for you, it's a Christmas movie by virtue of when you first saw it, and so it kind of imprinted on you the same way it imprinted on me, but just at different times. If I mean, if I'm trying to think about it objectively. Almost all of the action does take place in Halloween Town. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the overpowering vibe to me while watching the movie, even when they're kind of like, kind of, um, you know, on the surface level trying to put on the Christmas things, everything still has that uh, macabre 
yeah. twists to it. Like even when they're trying really hard to do Christmas, everything's yeah. just a little off, which again, mm-hmm. I think is a great source of comedy in the movie. Um, some of my favorite mo- moments are the residents of Halloween town misunderstanding the what toys. Christmas is about. Yes. So when Jack is first trying to explain it to them and he's like, the whole thing starts with a box and they're like a box. What's in it? Is it filled with a pox? <laughs> or he's like, here's, a, here's a stocking. Oh, is there still a foot inside? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those that's, moments are great. But that is great. Well, I will say, so my, my take on it, like, first of all, if people want to watch it at Halloween, I am not going to throw a fit about it. So ultimately, it's like up to you. You watch it in Halloween. You watch it at Christmas. You watch it for both. You watch it in between. Whatever. For me personally, um, I have a few reasons. One is, John, like you said, the movie starts and Halloween is over. And that automatically bums me out because I don't want Halloween to be over on October 3rd. <laughs> um so it feels it, it feels very much like we're moving on from Halloween. And then the next, you know, three quarters of the movie, it, it's Christmas season. Now, you're right, though, like you're in Halloween town. So there is an argument to be made for that. And our hero is Jack Skellington and he's like the creepy figure. Um, but like, I just feel like once I watch it, I've left Halloween behind. And another reason why I like to save it for the holiday season is because like once Halloween is over and I'm sure you guys feel the same way, like I, I get bummed. I have like seasonal depression because my favorite (laughs) time of year is over. And so, but I have my little set of things that I can watch during the holiday season that are still dark. And so Nightmare Before Christmas is like one of those special little gems that like I feel the Christmas spirit, but it's a little creepy for me. And that makes me feel good. Like another movie that um, I've gotten into the habit of watching is I watch Coco on November 1st. Yeah, that's a great like, choice. Yeah, because it's Day of the Dead and like it helps me move on to like a happy place, but it's still just a little creepy. Um, so like Coco and Nightmare Before Christmas are kind of like they're like the bomb on my my Halloween sadness when it's time to move into the holidays because I do love Christmas and like there's lots of Christmas stuff I love to watch but but the, it's like one of my little uh, precious gems in my Christmas box so that's why for me it's it's more of a Christmas movie but if you want to watch it at Halloween and it gives you happy vibes then it's doing what it's supposed to do <laughs> I think What's magical about this film is that it can be both. Yeah. Know, yeah. For different reasons. Like, Nicole, I picture you, you have like that countdown after Halloween of like how many more days are left till Halloween again, like on your wall, like Jack. <laughs> but like, yeah, this movie's about like Jack, basically they're bringing Halloween into Christmas, right? It's extending Halloween almost. And just like, I don't know, like it, it definitely feels like it bridges that gap. Like you can watch it during Halloween season. You can watch it at the end. Like you said, you can watch it in between to kind of bridge the gap in between Christmas. You could put it on in the beginning of December if you want to. And it's still, it gives you some of those Halloween vibes still that you're missing because you're like, oh man, Halloween's over, but you get that still from this movie. So I feel like it, it does, it's unique in that aspect that it can kind of sit in, in any of those time frames and be enjoyable. I mean, you can put it on in March if you really want, but That's most people are going to watch it around this time. Yeah. <laughs> just Who does that? I watched this this weekend and I also watched Over the Garden Wall. So oh, I'm like, I'm yeah, really down. getting into that spooky. Only night. just recently got into the garden wall. I like watched it once before this this time. Mm-hmm. I haven't even yeah, seen all of it. Too. Yeah, it's really good. Mm-hmm. It's cute. 
Well, Hyderberg, I agree with you about what you said about Nightmare Before Christmas. And Nicole, I think that's an excellent rationale. And like you, I don't begrudge anybody else when they want to watch. I do think it would be weird if you watched it in March, but, that, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's right. Um, but no, I like, I don't begrudge you your, your holiday holiday time watch. But, uh, you but know, yeah, I love special. just you know? the intro of this film. Like, it's just awesome. like I put it on and it was just like, oh, wow. Like, I forgot how good it was, you know, just the, the when the music kicks in, all the characters are coming out of Halloween Town. Yeah. Like, you're, you're getting introduced to all these different characters and it's just fucking it's awesome. It like totally sets the mood. Yeah, yeah I did I not rewatch the whole on. movie, but I like went and watched a few of like the main clips. And yeah. when I rewatched that one of the intro, I was just like, oh, it's just so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's so watched, creative. Yeah. Like, the whole the just the whole premise of it, I think, is so inventive and like I love like, inducing the 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 um the magicians magicians outside the his gates that just play all the time like mm-hmm. and then you got like the three draculas yeah the wolf man who's like very sensitive like i just <laughs> i really like uh, the mayor like do you, so do you guys have a favorite character in halloween town or just in the movie in general oh boy <sighs> Like, yeah, I feel like you're going to say Jack or one. Sally, but I mean, of the residents of like Halloween Town, do you have like a, like, I really like the, the mayor. Characters? I love the yeah. mayor. Like, I love the design of the mayor. I actually love the mad scientist, Finkelstein. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love the guy with the hatchet in his head. who's like, bunny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> When the when the yeah when the Easter Bunny shows up, yeah, those three uh, little kids were shits too. The yeah, they are. They're meant oh, to yeah, be. the, the trick or treaters. Yeah, they work yeah. for Oogie Boogie. So yeah, they do. I, yeah. I think Oogie Boogie probably is my my favorite character, other than like the main ones. He just I I remember thinking just how inventive it is that like because like the boogeyman. What's the boogeyman? Nobody really knows. It's this concept, and the fact that he's this creature just filled with bugs. Yeah, I was like, gonna say Declan how that hits you. Yeah, I mean that's it's just gross. great. When like, they unveil it, I'm so like, yeah, great. creepy looking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nicole, I figured you probably like he's got like this like New Orleans sort of vibe to him too. Who did the voice? Yeah, of he does. Uh, I don't know. It's I don't. It's Boogie not a name Boogie, that huh? I know. Uh, Ken Page. Okay. Because Denny Elfman did Jack, right? Mm-hmm. He did Jack's singing, singing voice, voice, which is Jack. weird. Why not just have him do the whole voice in general? It's odd. Maybe he's not know. a good Maybe voice actor. actor. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. And then Chris Sarand- Sarandon? Sarandon. Chris Sarandon. Sarandon. Sorry. Yeah, he did um, Jack, which he yeah. played. Um, he played the vampire in Fright Night. He was yeah. Prince Humperdinck in um, what's it called? Uh, Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. Yeah. Yeah. He's he also in Child's Play. Yeah. Yes, he was. He was a cop. Mm-hmm. And the then cop. Um, what's her name? Catherine O'Hara is Sally. Yeah. which Frequently i did not know in, until Tim i was look, looking through the cast earlier i was like i had no idea yeah she was the mom in beetlejuice right? yeah. yeah and most recently on Shit's creek which is the best show ever so good. i've heard that show's good i've never seen it <gasps> oh hydroberg it's so oh. good she is it's like, like the highlight of her career she yeah, was born to be moira rose yes does she reminds me of in that and i'm sorry to sidetrack here but she reminds me of like an 11 nick cage you know like when he's up <laughs> 11 uh, wow well, no, yeah. I, I might have to watch that show yeah, yeah give it a try at least yeah mm-hmm. but uh yeah so some great great cast here and um yeah danny elfman wrote all the songs and the, yeah. and the score well, he's collaborated um, with Tim Burton so much. So, yeah, on not all of his movies, but 
I think he did the score for Batman, movie. right? Yeah. Yeah. Did he really? Yeah, I believe he did. so. Yeah, he did. Oh, the OG Batman with uh, Keaton. Yeah, Tim Burton's Batman. Mm-hmm. Yep, and also Batman Returns. Do you guys have a favorite song in this one? Oh, see, I I've never seen this, but I was familiar like some of the some of the beats to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I mean, I love this is Halloween in the beginning, but mm-hmm. that one's like mm-hmm. a gimme almost. I feel I really like the Oogie Boogie Man song when he's introduced. I kind of like the song when he went to uh, Christmas Town. Yeah. What's this? What's this? What is this? What's this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love his face, like the look of glee on his face when he's like looking at everything and he's just like a little kid. When he brings Christmas back to Halloween Town, everybody's gleeful. Everybody like yeah. using whatever. And he means well. Like he doesn't plan to fuck up Christmas. He just thinks he's like, oh, I have an idea for Christmas. I can do Christmas too. Like I want to try something different. But he's I need like to a get little rid of kid. Santa in order to do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But he's like Very a little kid who's like, I can do it. Yeah. And it, but I love that the townspeople are behind him. They're not like, they don't reject it. Cause you could see the plot kind of going that way as a possibility. Yeah. Like you could they see the townspeople Jack. revolting or against him or being like, no, we don't want to do this. But they, they embrace it fully and like put their own stamp on it and they think they're doing it. Okay. So that, <laughs> that's my question. My adult brain went, Okay, so we have a mayor of Halloween Town. Jack's in charge, almost. <laughs> Jack, Jack is the Santa Claus of the Halloween Town. Yeah, he's basically. The well, he's the pumpkin the king. The mayor is just an elected official, John. Yeah, he <laughs> the, people the people love Jack. Okay, yeah, but you know. he's the king. creative he's king. genius. But the king's in charge of the mayor. Could you say that he's he's an equal to Santa Claus in Christmas Town, or an equal to the Easter Bunny in? Easter town, whatever it's called. I want to see what the Easter bunny looks like in his town. Oh, we saw, saw the Easter background. bunny. What do you mean? We saw him in another town. He was just sort of like a bunny. But what is he like when he's in control of his town? Is he a dictator or something? Like that? He's like, make those fucking eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Paint those eggs. They're rotten. It's not Easter yet. It's not enough fake, fake grass in these baskets. <laughs> You don't know Do enough he's, about So he's like thing. a sweatshop foreman yeah. in your brain? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, do, oh I do love the mayor in this movie, though. I love just, I love the two faces. I love like that his tie was a spider that got away from it there and he grabs it <laughs> and like hits it and it goes back and lays down flat. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's a great gimmick. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm still recovering. And I remember that. there were toys to this movie and he was like a really cool one. I think he pressed the button and his head spun. Oh, yeah, I'm sure the merchant. I don't remember the merchandise from back then. But, you know, it's still a big deal at the Disney theme parks during Halloween and Christmas time. And um, for some reason, whenever they have like villain displays or whatever, sometimes Jack is included in that, even though Mm -hmm. he's totally not a villain. But I think they just kind of group him in there because he's like from something. Yeah, they do the same thing with Pirates of the Caribbean, like anything that's a little more adventurous they put in there. And I will tell you, um, if you ever go to Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party, there's this stage show that is the Sanderson sisters, the Shadow Man, Dr. Facilier from Princess and the Frog, and then Oogie Boogie. And he and like this guy dresses Oogie Boogie comes out on the stage and dances around and he's lit green and everything. And it is a fantastic show. Like it's very, very good. And since I love Oogie Boogie so much, um, the first time I saw that, I was just like. This is great. They're really oh, nailing yes. this. Yeah. Well, it's and I love putting him together with Dr. Facilier. Facilier. I can't mm-hmm. never say that. 
because um, I see some similarities between them but yeah it's mean, just the New yeah. Orleans thing but also they kind of have their own little like kind of deep dark cave layers or whatever yeah they're so. like evil but they have style they, you know yes Char- that charisma, charisma. Boogie, boogie man cave <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly you got gambling down there yeah with those dice yeah and roulette <laughs> I liked his dice tray it was like a skull and bones torso and he just like throw it through the eyes and it's very D&D. Oh, yeah. Appeal to the nerd in you, Hyderberg. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, another... oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say real quick. One thing that I loved, um, again, with the townspeople was the moment towards the end when there's like the news report. It's like, Justin, an imposter is mangling and mocking this joyous holiday. And all the townspeople are like, yay. Yeah, he's doing it. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> I love the townspeople. They're kind of innocent in a way, too, in in a weird way. Oh, I just thought of another character that I love, a subtle character, Zero. Dog. Dog. dog, He's so cute. Yeah. And he saves the day just like Rudolph. He's like the counterpart to Rudolph. Yeah, he does. Mm -hmm. Well, it saves the day and then it's a disaster, but, you know, he still lights the way. Yeah. (laughs) Such a loyal sidekick. I like that he's a little ghost. Like so he's a true. ghost of a dog, but he's literally like a ghost too. Like he's got like the, a Casper uh, ghost. Like, yeah, like the sheet <laughs> mm-hmm. over him. So I read online that there was some theory that mm-hmm. Jack, I was he, you know, what? You talking about the corpse bride theory? No. Frank and no, Weenie? No, you tell me that. Oh, okay. That sounds more interesting than what I was going to say. No, it's there's like a theory that they're all connected. Like like the corpse bride character and the the woman in corpse bride like that's actually Sally and Jack at some point before they died or whatever. And then now they're in Halloween and like, and the dog from Frankenweenie or something like that is supposed to be the dog that Jack has only because they're like Tim Burton properties. Right. So that's mm-hmm. the only reason I think anybody's kind of tied that thread together. But I mean, it's interesting to think about. I doubt that he, that's how he's designed it, but there's probably just certain things that he's had ideas about that kind of bleed into one another. Cause that's a lot of his stuff has that, you know, like there's, there's a snake in here that looks like the worm from, from God. yes i saw that yeah, yeah. so i think that is a deliberate reference yeah for sure yeah um that that is interesting i don't i don't think it was intended that way but still no. i think that's like a fun idea to play around with yeah favorite, these are all like connected in the same universe my favorite conspiracy is kevin Mc, McAllister is actually jigsaw huh you've never heard that Whoa. No. no i thought it was related to this movie that's why i'm like i didn't no, know that's it. sorry I, I was, jigsaw it was from, a all attempted humor. Oh, I get it because of all the traps and stuff. Because he's oh. really yeah, but there were no micro machines in any of the Saw movies. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's when he was maybe the old. next one. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Oh Lord. Well, that was funny. That was funny. I wish I'd caught on to that one a little faster. <laughs> I got no, you. Jen. No, I had read something online about like um, I don't know if you guys caught this lyric in the song, but towards the beginning, Jack is singing a song and he's like to a, he's talking about how he's like you know the king of halloween and everybody is you know in awe of him and all of his fantastic halloween successes and there's a line where he says to a guy in kentucky i'm mr unlucky and i'm known mm. throughout england and france so i read online somewhere that the idea that that line saying to a guy in kentucky i'm mr unlucky that jack is like the reanimated spirit or skeleton or whatever of like a cadaver like somebody who died in kentucky but uh. that's like explaining where he came from hmm. i don't know like 
I don't know how interesting that is or how like supported that is. It seems like kind of a throwaway line, but well, I wonder too, if it, if you said something about the other two countries, I, it makes me wonder if he's based on like, there are so many different folklore figures Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. with uh, really all the holidays. And so I wonder if like part of him, like part of the idea for him came from one of these old folklore figures and maybe there's some origin from, did you say England and France? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know about Kentucky, but like, who knows? Maybe they like <clears throat> people who immigrated here, brought their thing with their folk legend with them. I don't know, y'all. Yeah. I feel like I'm rabbit trailing here, but I feel like there could be something there. <laughs> yeah. I just like, I didn't, there, there didn't seem to be a whole lot to support it. It seemed like just a kind of a random line that somebody had a theory about, but I didn't know if there was something that I missed or some way that you guys interpreted that. Like, oh yeah, he's just like a, you know, clearly this was like a corpse somewhere and now he's the reanimated per- version of so-and-so. Like, I don't know. I know his face <laughs> sort of reminds me of like the Day of the Dead makeup that they wear, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I think that's the only just just because of the, the dark uh, white, I mean, black with white. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's just so clever that he's like Jack Skellington. Like it's kind of yeah. turned into a normal name. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of, um, I don't know if you guys are like friends watchers, but there's, I forget the episode, but I think Chandler says something at one point that's like, what if spider, what if we were pronouncing Spider-Man's name wrong? And it's really Spider-Man, Spider-Man. or Mr. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. It sounds like he's just the guy in like accounting or HR you know, on the next floor, like Mr. Spider-Man. So I don't know. It kind of reminds me of The first Jewish that. superhero, Spider-Man. <laughs> um, that was well. So, yeah, it's a clever, it's a clever little thing. Skellington. But uh, how do you guys feel about like the whole story arc of him taking over Christmas, but then it goes bad and he kind of goes back to his, his, his own town, but like feeling rejuvenated and refreshed. I, I think it's a good cool. ending. I mean, it, it felt like the way it wrapped up for me, and pardon the pun, but to put a bow on it, I mean, it just <laughs> that, that gave the Christmas vibe, you know? It, it was yeah. like snowing. What yeah, is Santa it? brings the snow. Yeah. I like that Santa came back. Like he's not he's not that mad at him. He's like, look, you fucked things up, but I'm Santa Claus. <laughs> you fixed them, you know? Even says happy Halloween. He, he, yeah, he knows you did it out of love you know you're just trying to so here's some snow in halloween town so you guys can have a, a merry christmas i loved how he went when he brings the toys back to his lab and he's like dissecting things he's like cutting open teddy bears and like checking out the the fur i mean the cotton in them and stuff like that and like it's, oh i think i figured it out i think i figured out the mixture he's like thinking very scientific about everything yeah i think, I think that's wa- very charming. watching it like as an adult you realize more like, well, like what human hasn't it sometimes felt like I'm just stuck in a rut, you know? And like, is this really all there is? And like, is there something else out there? And so watching Jack go on that journey, I think is a very like quintessential, like human journey. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it can also be encouraging for the kiddos to like be curious and like go out there and experience things that you're not familiar with. You know, take an interest in things. Yeah, um, you don't have to stay in your lane either. Like, you yeah, can, you can branch out. You don't have yeah. to just stay in that one thing that you think you're you're supposed to do. But mm-hmm. I do love that ultimately he comes back and realizes like there's great things out there, but like this is my space. Like this is where mm-hmm. 
I really fit, you know, I needed to shake things up a little bit, but like, this is where I belong. Um, so mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I really loved the whole, the whole journey. And honestly, even if there was no love interest, like even if Sally didn't exist, I think the story would still work really well. Yeah. Um, so I think the inclusion of Sally is nice just because we get to see, she's like the old soul who like sees the big picture and understands what's going on. And so it's really useful to have her insight. And then of course, it's just sweet when they find each other at the end and he like notices her and realizes mm-hmm. like, oh, this is where I belong. And there, there is something new and exciting for me here. Yeah. To Cause out. she's been watching him the whole time. Mm-hmm. They could have played her like very naive because she was literally just created. She was just born yesterday. Right. Like, but she seems to know everything. Like she definitely knows it. Like, no, Jack, like I had a vision, like what you're doing is going to, it's not going to work out and it's dangerous. She could, she could have easily been a bad guy. I mean, she used that, that girl could sneak out of anything. <laughs> yeah. I love how she throws herself out the window and that's puts herself back together. How many times did she escape? Like within the first half of the movie six, uh, she kept poisoning the guy. Yeah. She <laughs> made him go to sleep. And, and then he eventually created, the woman of his dreams by putting some of his himself into her, right? Half his brain. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which is, he's a narcissist. So he did. He, he <laughs> the line. He's like, that's the last time you poison me. Yeah. <laughs> Slams her into the room. Yeah. Nicole, going back to something you said, you, you said something about, you know, <clears throat> it being a good kind of thing for kids to see that you can like try something new and blah, 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 and branch out. Um, and I also like the kind of little pep talk that he gives himself that I think is kind of a valuable thing for kids to observe that, you know, he's feeling when he first realizes that he's failed really badly at making Christmas happen. He's like, oh, I really screwed this up. And he gets really down on himself for a little while, but then he kind of picks himself up metaphorically and dusts himself off. And he's like, but you know what? I did the thing. I did my best and I tried something new. And that's okay. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like giving himself a pep talk about it. He's like, you know, I still did something. I accomplished something. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that. I think that's like, you know, positive self-talk as my therapist would say. So <laughs> uh, this is I, a movie I, I have to watch again because you, you know, that you guys, you guys have more of an attachment than I do, but Jacqueline, I'm going to tell you, I'll watch it during Christmas time again. That's fine. But, yeah, whatever. Uh, just who cares? Just watch it again. I, I, just I watch will. it again I, and experience it, the delight. I mean that with no joke because it, this was a fun watch for me. This was a, a very good movie. And I just, uh, you know, I don't have a lot to contribute today. I just had that's okay. a, lot of, a lot of enjoyment watching. So I think that's it. I liked hearing that from you because we've seen it before. And to hear yeah. your thoughts, having not just seen it, that's cool. I was a little worried when I found out that it was your first watch. I was a little worried that you were going to not like it, especially since it was a musical. And I do know how you don't care for musicals. And so um, it's not overly heavy on the musical part. Like it's there. Really? It's I, not, think it's yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. It moves along pretty well to me. I feel it, like it's there's uh, like a lot of songs. Though. Yeah, I it, guess it's and, short, though. Yeah. Well, and even if it's not singing, it's sing songy, you know, as yeah. they're mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. She said you prefer anyway, at least. Rather than breaking it up into like, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought everything fit, and you know, just uh, the understanding of of you can sit a family down and watch it whenever you want because I'm not going to criticize anybody for watching it during Halloween. Like Jacqueline said, March absolutely don't do that. Um, <laughs> is, <laughs> yeah, be weird. Um, but yeah, I just it, it, I got a lot of enjoyment out of, out of this, and 
I'm kind of bummed at my, or kind of mad at myself for keeping it a blind spot, even though people have told me to watch it. It's like, you, you'll yeah. enjoy it. You'll have a good time with it. And gosh darn it, they were right. <laughs> I, well, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot out there to consume and, you know, you can't get around to every blind spot instantly, but I do, it does, it does please me that you feel it has rewatch value for you. And I feel like, you know, you watched it this first time for the podcast. So you're probably like really paying attention to the story and all that next time around, I suggest that, you know, you know, the story now, just try to take in some of the details because there's so many like wonderful little details just you know in the background or in the corner over here and just clever little things that are kind of wonderful and you know you'll be able to you know relax and kind of appreciate those more when you're not worried about like reviewing it and make sure, making sure you understand the story and everything i just was blown away by the stop motion animation so it yeah. it still holds up oh my it really God. does it's it, still yeah. really good Blue i watched this on disney plus and they have a 4k like hdr copy on there and it looks amazing that does it must look like the puppets are in your living room and it's like they widescreened it it looks really good there are um, are a couple documentaries out there about the making of this um that are really fascinating so john if you appreciate the stop motion animation you might find those interesting i cannot remember the name of them i assume at least one of them was on disney plus but i'm sure if you give it a google You'll you'll see what's out there, but it really is like this. It just the story of like it took them so long to get it done, and they went over budget, and like a lot of people had to just like believe in it and do it, and yeah, you know, it was a risk because it was so weird, and it's just the story of how they made it is really interesting. There's a reason you don't see a lot of these stop motion films. They're really hard to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like in 1993, I don't think that there was really the technology no. to do entire you know computer generated animated films and so i again i have a lot of um trivia which i'll say for the end about kind of like the making of it and some of the issues but i believe i have the special edition dvd release from i don't know i want to say around 2010 or somewhere around there maybe a little earlier than that um but i believe it's got one of those making of documentaries on there and some extra maybe a couple of extra scenes i don't know i didn't actually watch it on my dvd because my um DVD players, but or my Blu-ray players kind of busted. But um, uh, I watched on Amazon. So, but Very, um, really the, interesting. This the yeah the special edition um, DVD does have some good stuff on there. So, um, but yeah, it sounds like if you can find it, if you can get it on 4K, I don't know if there's like a physical 4K release. But yeah, I don't know. I bet that's pretty sweet if there is one. It is. I recommend it. So, I saw this. Bob. I bet Bob would know. Oh yeah. Yeah, but Bob, do they have those? I on, hold on, guys. I got him on the line. Okay. <laughs> Stand by. He's just on speed dial. You have a red phone that goes directly to Bob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Batman. <laughs> Give that big, straight, chilling shout out. What up, nerd? Bob, I have a question about physical media. I know you always have time for those. <laughs> yeah, let's call him right now. So true. I so. saw this re-release uh, several years back. They re-released it in 3D. Oh, yeah. And that was a great that. watch in 3D. So like the scene when um, when they're at Oogie's and everything's glow in the dark. That scene was so cool because it all just jumps out and it's all outlined in like white. It looks like chalk almost like when kids draw in chalk, like glow in the dark chalk. It's like it looks really cool. The whole movie looked cool, but that scene in particular, I really remember just like just popping out of the screen. It was really awesome. It does sound awesome. I wish I'd seen it like that. Yeah, because there are a bunch of scenes where uh, Jack just like will will, you know, break the fourth wall and grab the camera and, you know, that'd be that would be dope to see. 
And well, I, next year is the 30th anniversary, so I wonder uh, if they might they'll do that. any kind of a special release. I mean, I haven't heard anything about that, but it would just be cool since it, it would be 30 If years. you enjoy 3D <laughs> films at all and they release it in 3D, I recommend it. So this yeah. was a Disney movie when it first yes. came out? Yeah. Well, so it was developed by Disney. Like they, they had Tim Burton kind of, you know, come up with this idea. Tim Burton had been an animator for Disney since like the eighties. And um, so he started, he, he kind of started coming up with this idea during the eighties, you know, as like something more interesting than whatever thing he was working on. And um, so, but like Disney was pretty behind him on it, but then kind of at the last minute. So like, I think initial trailers had it advertised as a Walt Disney studios picture um but like around the time that it was getting ready to be released um michael eisner took over as ceo of disney and he felt it was too dark to be like under the disney label so they switched switched it to touchstone pictures which is still under the umbrella of disney okay but that's where they released like less kind of family friendly or less kind of like purely wholesome content you know yeah. um so like there's a lot of like live action movies that were um touched on i think who framed rob who framed roger rabbit was also released yeah, on the touchstone, right. but that is a disney film you know so um, movie right there oh yeah. yeah judge what's his name have you guys seen oh. yeah, yeah yeah what is his judge name judge doom that's it that's it, it? <laughs> yeah man that i need to rewatch that one that's been a minute yeah there's some uh, really disturbing moments in that movie. <laughs> There's some non PC moments too. There's a certain baby I remember that's kind of oh yeah, the baby. Pretty Is handy. Herman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey doll. <laughs> baby Herman also had a short, like an animated short, did, yeah. as the lead up to Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Because yeah. I remember I had Honey I Shrunk the Kids on VHS when I was a kid, and they had that short at the beginning of it. Yep, I remember that. <laughs> I feel like Tim Burton, he had already had Beetlejuice under his belt, Batman, and Edward Scissorhands by the time this came out. So I could see Disney taking the risk, even though, you know, his, I don't know, his style was a little bit out of their, mm-hmm. their wheelhouse, but I could see why they put it on Touchstone. But overall, yeah. it's He's good that they backed it. Huh? I give Disney credit for like allowing him to develop it. And I mean, they yeah. gave him like, they were just like, here's $18 million. Do your thing. Yeah. And, uh, and they went over like, budget. Can I get some more? And, they, and yeah. And they were like, <laughs> sure. Cause they were like, we have no idea if X amount million dollars will get this made because nobody's ever done it. And they were like, oh, yeah. okay, right. here's more. <laughs> Good luck getting that done today, folks. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a different conversation. I feel like you could, well, you could make day. this film on like an iPhone nowadays. At least that technology is more like easier to have. But the time it would take to animate all these things is still. That's what takes the longest. It, yeah, it just yeah. blows my mind the the facial expressions and and how much patience patience you have to have to make those movements just perfect and and then change. Yeah, and then, like the set designs too are just like mm-hmm. amazing. Like Absolutely. the sun in Halloween so Town is like a little jack o' lantern. Like when the sun comes da- comes up. Yes, like just the little yeah. touches in the town I think are awesome. So much detail that so many people had to put so much thought into. So some of the things I I read, um, it did take about three and a half years to make this. Wow. Um, I think only about 18 months were for actual like filming the like the doing the stop motion mm-hmm. filming. Um, but they did so much front loading with storyboarding 
that they, yeah. they really storyboarded like every single shot. And so it took forever to do that. It was very time consuming. And then I think I read that um, when they were really clicking along at like highest operating pace, they were able to produce about 70 seconds of film per week. Whoa. You got to put the voice over, over it. Well, I think they, I don't know how they did that part, but just doing like the filming, they were, they were making about 70 yeah. seconds a week. I think it, I think they had to get 12 shots per second of film. 70 seconds a week? <clears throat> per week. Yeah. And they had, I think maybe 20 animators or 18 to 20 animators. And they at like at their peak, I think they had about 20 different sets operating simultaneously. Oh my. <clears throat> and um, John, you were talking about facial expressions. Um, I read specifically about Sally uh, to change her facial expressions. They um, they just had removable faces for her puppet because they wanted her hair to always look exactly mm. the same and consistent and they didn't want to like mess that up. So they had like removable faces. And I think I read that they had 11 different types of faces like eyes closed, eyes open, mouth closed, mouth like 11 different varieties of that. And then each one of those had 10 different like nuanced facial expressions, like small smile, big smile, open mouth, smile, frown, fear, whatever. But they had, so that's like what, 110 different faces just for Sally. Wow. Sally. Sally. (laughs) Sally. (laughs) In a meanie. Oh, so different, different movie. Wow. I do remember the first time I saw this that I was young, but I remember like uh, thinking like I'm I'm watching something special. I didn't realize how special it would be to like this is a generational movie. Every generation seemed to attach to it and enjoy it. It's timeless, I feel like. But when I watched it, I knew I was seeing something that's never been done before. I, f- I felt the same way as, as you, Hydraberg. I, I felt like it was special at the time. And yeah. I think, I don't think I could like put words to this at the time. I'm not sure I can put words to it now, but I'll try. Yeah. Looking back, I think maybe one of the reasons that it was so impactful to me is that it was the first time that I had any kind of like conception or saw anything represented where you could like, kind of live in a Halloween mindset all the time. Like mm-hmm. you could kind of surround yourself with spookiness all the time. It wasn't just like a day that you visit, you know, yeah. once a year um, that it was like, and I, I mean, I get that that's not like Halloween town is not like the, a real place, but it was just the first time that I had even this concept that people could like kind of enjoy spookiness and Halloween for mm-hmm. more than just on Halloween, you know? And so it's like, I feel like all of us, all four of us and many of our friends and cohorts to an extent, kind of like at least mentally sort of yeah. live in Halloween town we all do. year long. And so I think yeah. that's like, it was kind of like eye-opening to consider like, oh, and like there could be a magical land where it's Halloween all the time. And like, can I create that mindset? Like Halloween is a state of mind, right? Yeah. That's so, so spot on, Jacqueline. <clears throat> oh, man. Yeah. I'm just having this amusement park, giant amusement park called Halloween Town. And yes. Just has yeah. a- This is Halloween. Oh, Halloween. It's got the kids area. It's got the, the adult area for the big roller coasters. But, man, it's a, just one big happy place in Halloween. Yeah. Nice. On our, on our cut above soundtrack, we've got to have Hydraberg singing. This is Halloween. <laughs> 
forgot. Yeah, I don't want to get sued. <laughs> I uh, and then a part I'll of that was him being Billy. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! Oh, me Billy. It's me, let's Jack Skellington. Let's not spoil this magical mood we right. created. Um, no, this, I just I want to break it up because this is a love fest. This is it a is a love fest. Seen, I've seen so many, mainly women, with like phenomenal tattoos and sleeves of like Halloween Town, Jack Skellington, and Sally. I've seen so many like awesome pieces of artwork based on this film. Mm-hmm. There was this kind of lends itself. Night it lends. Itself it really to does. That sort Agreed. of thing. I, I agree. I think I think there's just like the sweetness and innocence of their love or or what it's building up to. You know, I mean, it's kind yeah. of ambiguous ending. They, are they just friends or whatever? But I mean, that was a kiss. I, they kiss. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really it. Like, you don't get to see what else. It was, what would you want to see them boning? Like, no, oh, no, no. I, I just kind of would love to see like where they like their first date or just like cool things. Like, I don't know. You don't get this. They only kiss. We don't get to like, see I'd love to else. see like if they got, they got married or they had a kid or something. I don't know. I don't need to see them boning. <laughs> That's cool. laughing at the pun right there. I, I didn't even boning. mean to say that. No, it's, um, I just mean you get a taste of it and then it's the film's over. It ends right there, which is, you know, yeah. it's good. It's poignant, but. Like, well, I mean, you know what, you know, they're going to. Like, I imagine that forever. every year now in, in Halloween Town, they have one day and they celebrate Christmas their own way. Like, maybe yeah. Santa flies over and drops some snow or something. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I like to think like that. Um. Oh, gosh. What was I going to say? I don't know. There Do you guys have any. Sorry. Go ahead, John. There was a cute line that Jack says to Santa Claus when he first gets captured. He, he looks at his hands and he, in like most movies would be like, oh, yeah, small hands, you know, what yeah. or, you know, something like that. But he goes, you don't have claws. Yeah, he keeps yeah. thinking he has because he calls him Sandy. Sandy claws. Sandy, yeah. yeah, and he calls so it, he, he keeps calling me like a lobster man. And yeah, he envisions everything being horrific because he's from Halloween Town. So yeah, he's like, oh, he must be like a monster. And like, they call him Sandy, Sandy Claus. <laughs> I knew that without even seeing the movie. I've heard that plenty. You know, and I when we see his silhouette, right, it looks yeah. kind of menacing. Like he's like tall and lanky, and like you see his hands look weird and. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's all Jack got to see of him. You know who would fit into Halloween Town? Krampus. Yeah. Oh, yes. They should have had they their own have version of Santa. Jack Skellington needs to meet Krampus. Oh, I kind of worry that Krampus might like take over, though. Oh, well, <laughs> that's true. It's a little Krampus acro. Would, he, he, he would be emperor of Halloween Town. Poor Jack. Her. He'd be overthrown. The pumpkin emperor. <laughs> He'd be the dictator, though. Like, I don't think the townspeople would like him. I think they'd cower. Yeah, he could take he can take over uh, Easter town. Are we, are we doing <laughs> fuck up that Easter bunny? Yeah, there you go. Are we doing <laughs> Krampus this year for Christmas? Yes, What's sir. I believe yeah. it's been fixed. Oh, oh yes. God. Nicole's coming on for that, right? Wait. Yeah, but I think you are. Sure. Oh I think she is. I think right? you are. I think you're booked for that one already. OK, good. Or did I just put like if we not, should we just bump Nicole somebody on else. the spreadsheet? If you no, weren't I'd... already. I have a vague memory of talking about it, so I think you are. Yeah, you're our fourth member. You're always well because yeah. uh, we couldn't get you on for Halloween three. So we're like, yeah, we'll put you on for Krampus because you were like, I think that's another film you were like, if you ever do that, I'd love to come on for it. Yep. I'd love to talk about Krampus. Did you guys know? I just noticed this this time and I've seen this film several times that they never show the adults faces in the real world. They're always That's obscured. Right. You see the kids and, yeah. and you see adults in the Halloween town and like and Christmas town, but you don't mm-hmm. actually see what adults look like in the That's real right. world. Like the cop's face is obscured by the, co- yeah. the the bulb or whatever that says police on it. 
Yeah. And the news reporters like face is obscured by the, the box that she's in, like on the air fucking recording box. It's a little bit peanuts like. Yeah. Yeah. I think it keeps it magical. And you don't see the parents. Too. Yeah. The parents, you just see their feet when they like yeah. faint. <laughs> Kid pulls the head out of the box. The shrunken head. I love <laughs> it. And he's totally calm. He's like, yeah. 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 He's just like, oh, cool. <laughs> so this has been a little bit of a love fest but i want to ask does anybody have any criticisms of this film i really don't i, I thought i thought I would... that's my only criticism of the film is that i don't really have any criticisms yeah, of it like why can't you have something wrong with you um can i say without giving away my score it doesn't i need to watch it again i i do need it like like you suggested is just watch it without criticizing because you know the story just look for those other little things about yeah. it. So, like just so. relax and you know have some hot cocoa or hot cider or something and sure. you know eat some just enjoy house Jacqueline yes. your criticism is the bugs right that oogie woogie is made of bugs I can't even criticize that it's because it's perfect it's as it should be I actually love when Sally distract because Sally like saves the day at that or tries to and she distracts him with her leg. With her leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. He like takes the shoe off. He's like, tickle, tickle, tickle. <laughs> he's like so creepy. Could you really relate to that character? I yeah. I don't have a foot fetish, but I like a good set of yams. Did nice you just leg. say yams again? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my yams, God. Whatever. Yams. I don't know. They're gams. Gams. I don't Did see- you say hams? No, gams. I oh said yams God. the first time. Okay. Then yes, I thought you said hams. I'm like, are you hungry or what? Yeah. yeah. Hydroberg, don't be a country blumpkin, okay? Oh, Jesus. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was hoping that one was never going to get brought back. Hey, we're, we're talking yams. We're talking blumpkins. Oh, geez. Anyway, Sorry. So, no legit criticisms. Really? There really is none. I My criticism it's a charming is, film. is on me to watch it again. So okay. I apologize to you guys for not watching it before. No, no, but I'm just happy that you, that it's in your life now. So I like, I, I'm never mad at people for their, um, for their blind spots. Cause Lord knows I have more than my fair share of blind spots. So I can never be mad at anybody, but like we have a podcast, so let's use it to like watch stuff. So I'm just glad that you got a chance to see it. And now that you, now you're in on the magic too. <laughs> I'm way too effusive about this movie. Yes, you are. Um, another thing that I really love, just a little kind of thing. Um, I love Dr. Finkelstein. Yeah, he's um, awesome. And I, I actually really like the kind of like push and pull between him and Sally, like this kind of tension of like he created the creature, but the creature wants to be free. Mm. And like she's kind of like full, she she springs forth fully formed and wants to like have independence and have her own life. And I love that Sally and Jack are both having like parallel feelings of ennui. Mm-hmm. They're like dissatisfied with life and yearning for something, something else out there, but they don't know what, and they just want to like get out in the world. And, and then eventually what do they do is they find each other. So I love it. But um, yeah, I love like Dr. Finkelstein's kind of grumpy, like nothing's more suspicious than frog's breath, but then he eats it anyway yeah. after she yeah. does her little trick spoon <laughs> thing. Yeah. thing. Yeah. I love it when he like uh, scratches his brain, <laughs> he, like, <opens laughs> oh, his head and like, <laughs> He, so I feel like it's almost like he created Sally almost as like a daughter figure, sort of the way he's protective of her. Because then he creates like another woman who seems like that's more like his mate or his partner, but you know, it's himself basically in a lady form. So, yeah, but I never got the idea that he was that way. 
he's just, just keeping her in because he says he's like you're not ready to go out there yet like as if like one day he'll let her out but for right now she needs to learn before she goes out or he's very protective of her I choose to read that as like a paternal like type of relationship. Yeah. I think there are some people who read that as a potentially romantic relationship. I, didn't but get I don't like that because it feels kind of rapey and like yeah, captive-y. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't like to think of it that way. But I also think that there is evidence to suggest that it's more of a paternal relationship where he's like, you're not ready. So mm-hmm. um, he's overbearing, you know? Yeah. If I'm not but, mistaken, was his lair the same shape as his head? It might have been because I'm, yeah, I think so. when he's making that other woman, like you could see under the, the wrapping that like it's every, the same way. Yeah. Her skull is the same shape as his. Every time they would cut or, or go to a scene with him in it, it was like this round ball, you know, kind of layer. Crazy. Yeah, it might have been. I have to go back and look again. It would make sense that a guy like that would make his layer look like him. He's a, he's like a yeah. narcissist. So. He does seem narcissist. And for some reason he has like a duck bill. I don't, he I don't does. know why, but I weird. like it. It's weird. I just, I like it. Um, and I, yeah, I just, I find him kind of funny. And he wasn't like your, he wasn't like the typical Dr. Frankenstein. Like obviously it was a play on that, but he was definitely a lot different than what you would envision Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. And he has an Igor yeah. character. Yeah, he does. He did him a dog treat or a bone. He did. He did. It was like a dog bone. <laughs> and he ate it up. He did. I like that he made the reindeers. Like Jack gave him tasks with that. He's like, I need you to make these. Yeah. And but it's like another Frankenstein scene. He like yeah. zaps them with the electricity and they rise up off the slab. And you know. Um oh, that reminded me of another moment that I love where Jack breaks off a piece of a rib and throws that for zero. Zero, yeah. Like, yes. You know, to play fetch, like fetch the bone, but it's like his bone. <laughs> Is there any meaning behind it being called zero? Not that like, I know. Is that his I first pet? Or like, like instead of number one, or like I don't know. It's weird. It's an odd name. I don't know. I just think of it as kind of like appropriately like. Dark, kind of like zero is nothing. Like yeah, I guess zero so. is nothingness. He's like not a solid. You know, I don't know. I. He could have been called like Boo or something like that, but that might have been too on the nose. Something about zero just seems right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. All right. You guys ready to give our ratings? You bet you. Sure. All right. All right. Jacqueline, you kick us off, please. I don't, I don't know what to say. Like, <laughs> to me, this is just like a perfect, delightful, charming movie with kind of just the right balance of like wholesomeness and darkness somehow it somehow it's both I don't know Tim Burton just has this knack for those kinds of stories and like Nicole whatever Nicole said earlier was so perfect it was like the perfect encapsulation of what this movie does and you said something like uh, you know he made my childhood so special but also made it so dark or creepy something along those lines I can't remember exactly. That's close enough. That's something. And I just, I feel like that's such a like perfect blend and such a perfect way to like melange, you know, what he, a, a melange of what, what he does with his films. And this, this film, I think um, in particular for like the right age child, and I wouldn't dictate what that age is, but for whatever maturity level in whatever age a child reaches that maturity level to where they could appreciate this. I think it really is like a magical thing. And um, a very nice entry point into, you know, future spookiness for somebody who grew up. Like I, I watched this last night with a critical eye and I'm like, oh, well, this, ex- this explains kind of my, my path. <laughs> like, 
life and what I've chosen to consume. And um, so I just, I don't even know what to say. I, um, you know, I love everything about it. I, I love every single thing about it. I think the voice acting is perfect. I think the casting is perfect. I think the visual look of it is so all engrossing. It looks like a land that I want to visit. Um, it's, it's surprisingly dark, I think for a movie marketed to children, which I appreciate that. I think like children sometimes like, I don't think it's right to shield children from all darkness. I don't think that's realistic. And I think children, I think it's like, a, I think it's scary to be a child. I think most children have at least some, some level of awareness of their own vulnerability and how dependent they are on adults and how like susceptible they are to like being killed or like, you know, left without resources or something, you know, something terrible happens. And so I think children need um, outlets for darkness. You know, I think that's like a healthy thing um, if it's like at an appropriate level. And so I think this is, it's a lovely thing, I think, to give something that's like a little dark, but also kind of sweet and wholesome, you know, to, to children. And so I think this does just that. I think it's lovely. Um, and I still enjoy it as an adult. It, it, it has aged well. It still holds up. I think the stop motion animation looks enchanting, um, in every way. And like both Halloween town and I think Christmas town is really enchanting. Like it really does look purely joyful. Like, um, there's no, like, there's no darkness that seeps into that, you know, from, from Tim Burton or from um, Henry Selick. It really does. It kind of looks like Whoville almost. Yeah. You know? Um, and so it's very pure in that way. And I think that's good. It should be. Um, but just the whole thing looks wonderful and it's really held up. Um, I enjoy it as an adult. It's not too, it's not like totally child. It's not juvenile humor or anything crude really. Um, I just, I think it's great. So what else, what can I say? It's 10 out of 10 Sandy clauses for me. <laughs> so, Nicole, what do you think? Um, like you, it's a little difficult to know exactly what to say. Um, I've been thinking all day about, you know, trying to come up with criticisms and I re- just really don't have any, um, the way it's made, the time it was made in, um, like Hyderberg said, it just, it's just got magic and you just know it's special. And I think with, as with all well-made craft, even though animation has grown in leaps and bounds, this movie will always hold up and it will always be a work of art because the people who made it were artists, they were skilled, they put time and effort into it. And so I think it will always be like a masterpiece of animation. And um, also I'll, I'll talk just a little bit about like Disney in general, because I'm, I'm a horror nerd, but I also really love Disney a lot. And those two things are very different. Um, But I love just the history of Disney, the art of Disney, uh, both the movies and the parks. Um, It's just, I'm just one of those people that's just into all of it. And so anytime like Disney and these like darker elements cross over, it's really like a sweet spot for me. And there's a few of those, um, particularly in the eighties, Disney did a few films like 
uh, something wicked this way comes watcher in the watcher woods, in the woods. The, yeah the black cauldron and this was a little later but it's all kind of part of like what they call dark disney um and like you said i think it's important for kids to be able to safely explore like a range of things including danger and adventure and just darker imagery that's also fun you know because we love our Mickey Mouses and, you know, our Lion Kings and all those things. But even in our classic Disney movies, there, there's almost always some dark element of danger. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason why the villains are so fascinating, you know. And without the villains, you really can't appreciate, like, the heroes and the good guys and the happy ending. You know, there is no happy ending if there's no conflict. And so this movie just fits perfectly into that larger magical model of like fairy tales and storytelling that I just am a sucker for. Um, And so, I mean, I I don't really know what else I can add to the conversation as far as like details go. Um, So I will just, I will have to give it the same score as Jacqueline. I will have to give it 10 out of 10 Sandy clauses. Jacqueline, is that your first 10? No. Okay. I've given tens to Black Christmas and Hereditary. Okay. Sorry. <clears throat> continue. Well, how about you continue? Didn't you give a 10 to Thanks, Kelly? Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry. Mm-hmm. This is my fourth 10. Mm. <laughs> my mistake. Another holiday movie. Another another perfect one. Classic. <laughs> Perfection. Uh, what you two have already said is absolutely right. Um, the onus is on me for not watching this, and I, I'm not knocking myself for not doing it i'm knocking don't give yourself a hard time yeah i'm knocking my score because i know there's more to discover about this movie and more enjoyment to get out of this movie uh jacqueline you said it perfectly it was more of a critical eye of like okay what am i looking for one thing i didn't realize is that this movie was one hour and 15 minutes and you Mm -hmm. brought up the fact that each week they had 70 seconds and my math is okay so that's one minute and 10 seconds every week Mm-hmm. For an hour, a movie that's an hour and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. I also love the color of this because I didn't realize how drab Halloween Town was. Yeah. Because, the, the, yeah, they they, they kind of stuck on that that shot. And then, yeah, then they went. And I, I think my eyes readjusted better after he went to Christmas Town and went back to Halloween Town after that. And I just went, oh, my gosh, that like that color palette was wonderful. It was just like, Whoa, that that it did something weird to my eyes. I mean, it not so much of him going there because I mean there was this transition of falling through snowflakes and stuff like that. So you saw the blues, but when he got there, and then when he got back to Halloween Town, I went, that was really good. You guys know I'm not a big fan of music and movies, but this all fit. I mean, I think the whole movie was a song, just transitioning very smoothly into him because it was kind of the when he's talking about Christmas time and it's like, this is a present what's in it, you know, and doing that mm-hmm. scene song thing. Um, it's theatric. Yeah. Yeah. So, and without, without going too much, because Hydrobrook, I know you have some stuff to say about it. I'm going to go um, a 9.5 out of 10 Santa clauses, just because I'm watching this MF again. And hopefully Rob zombie doesn't remake it. Yes. I got oh. it. In. I got it in. Oh My no! God. Oh no! Hydroberg had it earlier. He's talking about Rob Zombie's Halloween. Oh, it's probably sorry. He beat you. Oh, damn. <laughs> but that was still a good, good, good way to slip that in there. So, sorry, Hydroberg. It's all right, man. I kind of like lumped it in there with the movie that he's made. So you did it more like under the radar, sort of. Uh, okay. 
Well, I give you give, both. Credit. I give it to you. I give credit to you, John. Thank you. All right, Hyderberg. And what's I your rating? I can't knock you for giving it less than a ten because it's your first time seeing it, and I. I can appreciate that you didn't go into it, allowing the hype around it to affect your viewing of it, because some people would have. Mm-hmm. It would have been like, oh, why does everybody say this is so good? And they and, and uh, some for some reason, some people will subconsciously knock something before actually viewing it themselves just because other people have told them how good it is. And you should really shouldn't watch stuff like that. You should try your best to just open your eyes and just enjoy what you're watching and then make try it. Just try here, it. Here. Yeah, just try it. So for me, like like I said before, I watched this on Disney Plus and man, it, it looks amazing. It holds up so well. The animation is still so good. And there's a reason I feel like this animation has probably inspired so many other animators over the years, too, that have pers- like gone through that career, that career choice based on just like their first time seeing this film. And, you know, there's a reason these films aren't made often is because they are so hard. And so when a really good stop animation film like still is made they stand out mostly when they're really really well done uh you know as it's just this film also holds up as like a holiday masterpiece and which holiday you want to view that on is entirely up to you and i wouldn't fault you for either of them um it's just a good film and it's got vibes for both halloween and uh christmas uh like john like you said too i do love the color palette and the way there's like a switch to the real world christmas time a christmas town and also halloween Town Halloween Town being the one that looks the most different, you know, because of it's just drab, you know, the sun's not out really, and even when it is, it's just like a rainy day almost, and everything's gray, but it fits that town that vibe so much. Um, and Jack was able to bring a little bit of that light into that town, I feel like, by visiting Christmas Town, you know, that, that was one thing I forgot because they did have the uh, the uh, the lore of vampires that maybe there was a sun, but they had, under- yeah, there was, they they. When it comes out, because they're out at night, yeah, and they invert it and they put their. I thought that was pretty, pretty, pretty clever. Yeah. yeah, sorry about that. It was no, it was. I love the vampires actually in this film. Um. So yeah, the animation and the songs are just all still spectacular. I'm not a big musical guy either, John. I mean, and this film just it never it never feels like I'm oh I'm watching a musical oh god you know I'm I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy. I mean, part of it is the acting, the voice work, and the uh, just the characters. They're just charming. Every character in this film is charming, even the little small ones. You know, they spent enough time just giving them all their own little character. And like Jacqueline, you said, like the more you watch it, or you, I used to focus on Jack a lot because he's he, he's so animated. But when you look at all the stuff going on in the background and what the little characters are doing, it's charming. They're doing little things. They're like bumping into things and just they all have their own little personalities. And I love it. And I've like with this watch, I was like, man, I really like the fucking mayor. Like, I just love his look. And just like he's a nice guy. They could have made him like an asshole. And his other head, you think, would turn around. Maybe that's like the asshole personality. But even that personality is just like he's just sort of like got an angry face, but he's not overly angry it's more and like his love... stressed out it's more yeah like exactly like self yeah <laughs> you know it's pale and he's like he's got the face on like oh god but he's you know he's so reliant on jack because jack's like he's the guy you know they all turn to jack which i love um and like that gives charm to jack's character everybody turns on him and then he doesn't have anybody to lean on you know and that's what he realizes he's missing in life right so and then he meets sally so we feel we, we realize that like you know, Jack realizes that something was missing from his life and it wasn't necessarily another holiday or anything like that. It was just, you know, companionship. Uh, so, yeah, I like that. Uh, as far as cons go, uh, 
like I said, like uh, I don't really have too many. Like it's kind of a con that I don't have any real cons. I don't have much to critique about this film, you know. And that sounds stupid. Uh, like my only truly valid critique could be that I don't know. Like, is this a horror film per se? We're a horror podcast. Like, this is not necessarily a horror film, but you know, it's got horror influences for sure. Like the Halloween Town has a ton of little nods towards horror films like the Wolfman and Dracula and Frankenstein and, you know, novels based on horror. So I think for that, and like Jacqueline said, um, I think it's a really good first step for children, depending on what age you want to introduce them to. But this is a really good film to uh, see, test the waters to see if they're into sort of the macabre a little bit or something scary, but not too scary. Uh, So, you know, other than that, you know, I think uh, with all that said, I'm going to give uh, A Nightmare Before Christmas 10 out of 10 Sandy Claws. Oh, wow. This is a classic. This is a classic. I don't I can't knock it any. I can't give it any lower than that. I don't know what to can, like, yeah. just a 10. Can we go back on a little bit of a, a, during your critique? I just want to get into a discussion with uh, with you and Nicole. Um, Jacqueline had to go to the restroom or something. Um, now, for me personally, I would rather do a movie like this than review like a, an absolute classic. You know, like to me, everything that's that a podcast has done or said, uh, I think has already been said before. I mean, to me, it, it was new, but but like all three of us have have seen. Um, well, well, I, I'm going to pick one of yours, Heiserberg, uh, The Thing. Yeah. Would you give it anything less than perfection? I mean, you'd have to wait for my review. No, but I mean, yeah, it's like my, one of my all-time favorite films, period, whether it's horror or not. Like, Right. And, and Nicole, it, what's your all-time favorite horror movie? Well, the thing is usually quite high on my list, actually. It is. It's high <laughs> on a lot of people's list yeah. for good reason. So for yeah. me, I, I'm of the opinion, and, and you know, I'm not saying, well, this is the end-all, be-all, but like to me, I would rather discuss a movie like this that maybe one person hasn't seen and doesn't... Yeah. It, that doesn't all three of us have seen that movie it's very high on our list when it comes to watch it what are we going to do another love fest but again it's surprising that okay well somebody hasn't seen it so let's discuss it i don't have any problems with this movie i think all three of you have made the perfect uh statement is if you're it, it does have horror elements but that's that's how you start into horror as a kid yeah, that you get that little bit of fear. And I understand, you know, mm-hmm. Jacqueline's kids, if they get way too scared, you know, that that's a big problem. Yeah. But if if they're starting out, um, you know, this is the perfect movie to start out with. It I, is. There, there's a handful of other ones out there. But but I you know, I think you guys all all three of you guys made a wonderful point of. Who would enjoy this? Well, not just families, but but what else are you trying to do? You're trying to like not push your kids over the edge, but you're trying to push your kids to, to try something, you know, give it a whirl, give it a, give it a, give it a watch. And if it's yeah, like Jack, yeah, try something I, different. I will say though, even though I don't have any like criticisms, like artistic criticisms, I don't think this movie is necessarily for everybody. Like, no. I think it's, it's a certain aesthetic. It is weird. Like not yeah. everybody would find like this weird. like fun and charming and um like even like my husband like finds this movie extremely annoying and will not watch it. Really? Um 
Some people yeah, just same. don't like musicals, period. Like, yeah. and, he, and he's, he's so. not really a musical fan, so that's part of it. But also, he didn't see it when he was a kid. And so his only frame of reference were those annoying, like, Hot Topic kids in the early 2000s that, like, have Jack and Sally tattooed on them. And it's yeah. the whole way of life. It's, like, <laughs> identifying with this movie. That's all he ever knew of it. And so, like... I lost the ship on that one. I was like, well, let's you just watch it with me. You've never seen it. And he just like, it wasn't, it's a no-go. He just, he finds it annoying. And so I do think that like, there are, there, there are some people that this movie is just not for them, but looking at it, I mean, from an objective, like standpoint, I mean, you can't, you can't really, if it's not for you, it's not for you, but you just, you can't really knock the animation or the acting or the music, you know, um, there's just, there's not really a, there's not really a, a criticism to be made unless it's just not your flavor. And yeah, like, like no movie is for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when I, so like I said in my, in my uh, review, Jacqueline, that like my one critique, if I had any, was that like, is this a truly a horror film? You know, it's animated, it's a musical, but it's got so many horror elements that obviously influenced that, you know, the characters and such. And like when, when I saw it on the spreadsheet for the first time, there's nothing in my brain that ever said like second guess that I was just like, Oh, makes perfect sense. We're starting on Halloween and we're starting out the first week of October with, you know, nightmare before Christmas. It makes sense. I mean, some, some people like might want us to start out Christmas season with this movie, but Hey, we, we discussed that and that lent towards the discussion of this film as well. We so that, Yeah, we dropped that argument early. Because I know, which has led to not having, you know, like you said, John, doing classics. And I mean, uh, it's, a, it's a fun, it's a fun, uh, it's a fun, friendly battle, though. Yeah, it's absolutely. a fun, it's a fun debate to have. I'm, I mean, this with the utmost sincerity, Jacqueline, is when I saw it on on our sheet, I was excited. I was like. Yes, now I have to watch it. I have to watch this because I'm not going to go in there and go, no, didn't watch it. And I was <laughs> glad it was like the first well, film of October too because it kind of sets that tone, you know, like, all right, we're in spooky season now. Yep. Yeah. Well, thanks. I appreciate that you guys were open to that and we're like, no, we're not going to do a kid's movie, you know. So I'm, I'm glad that you were down. Jacqueline's always trying to make us watch musicals, John. <laughs> I, it keeps happening. I do keep she, she already said we're watching Rocky Horror Picture Shows. So. That one I've never yeah. really seen, like, I think entirely, to be honest. Like, I've seen it on, but I don't think I've ever sat down and been like, all right, I'm going to watch Rocky Horror. So I'm excited for that one, actually. Well, you guys have talked about that. Maybe that's not, you know, some movies aren't people's flavor. That movie was not mine. All right. Save I'm, not, I'm, not, well, I'm saving. Let's I'm save saving. it for your review for when I do pick it. I gave this a 10, by the way, Jack. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, you guys want to hear some trivia? Oh, man. Mm. I'm excited. Yeah. There sure. is a ton. So I'll try to kind of distill it down to the best. This is nuggets. trivia. This is trivia. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's a group effort. Uh, okay. So in 2001, Walt Disney Pictures did begin to consider producing a sequel to this movie, oh. but rather than using stop motion, Disney wanted to use computer animation. No. Tim Burton convinced Disney to drop the idea. He said, quote, I was always very protective of it not to do sequels or things of that kind. You know, Jack visits Thanksgiving World or other kinds of things just because I felt the movie had a purity to it and the people that like it. Agreed. So. Jack takes down the Easter bunny. You're here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jack takes down. A tyrannical Easter bunny. Uh, let's see. Oh, so the the kind of voiceover intro that was Patrick Stewart. Was it? Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Hey, Heidelberg, yeah. I want to go back on. Uh, wh- who do you think is the leader of Thanksgiving Town? Gobble, oh, it's, uh, it's yeah, it's Gobble Gobble, motherfucker. <laughs> ah. 
<laughs> Perfect. Um, according to Henry Selleck, Vincent Price was originally cast as Santa Claus. However, after the death of Price's wife, his own health began to fail and his voice performance was very frail and weak. The mm. tracks were deemed unusable, which led much to Selleck's regret to the role being recast. That sucks. Yeah. Was yeah. it? Do we know? I that's crazy that they have actual recordings of him though. I I don't yeah, I wouldn't want to hear that. That would be just so heartbreaking. It'd be sad to hear him like kind of weak and did you know Pee Wee Herman was in this film? Yeah, he was one of the three trick-or-treaters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of already talked about that so in the extended ending to the film heard on the soundtrack album a couple you guys mentioned this a couple times earlier many years later santa claus returns to halloween town to visit jack and finds that jack has about four or five skeleton children presumably with sally although it's not explicit Mm. i guess so they did bone i hope so oh bone (laughs) bone daddy way to go bone daddy Uh, Okay, so Tim Burton wrote a three-page poem. This is the basis of the movie. Tim Burton wrote a three-page poem titled The Nightmare Before Christmas when he was a Disney animator in the early 80s. Burton took inspiration from TV specials of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and the poem A Visit from St. Nicholas, which which goes, you know, Twas the Night Before Christmas. So that's where The Nightmare Before Christmas came from. He also started writing a screenplay and making sketches for a movie adaptation, but Disney believes... Burton's style was too dark for their usual output, so he pursued his career elsewhere. So when Batman turned out to be a big box office hit and Burton tried to buy back his story and ideas from Disney, they were eager to work with him. So all of a sudden, they're like, oh, yeah. Mm. And it gave him $18 million in free reign to develop Nightmare Before Christmas. Because he was contractually obligated to do Batman Returns for Warner Brothers Studios, he asked Henry Selleck as a director while he stayed on as producer. Burton's original poem can be heard on the 2008 special edition Blu-ray slash DVD release narrated by Christopher Lee with oh, a new uh, animated visual accompaniment. I wonder how this film would have differed if Tim Burton had done it all himself. Probably not much. Yeah, probably not much. Like he so... had much to say so that's going on anyway. He trusted Selleck anyway, so. Yeah, so Selleck said something to that point. Selleck said something along the lines of, um, it's as though Burton laid the egg and I sat on it and hatched it. He wasn't involved in a hands-on way, but his hand is in it. It was my job to make it look like a Tim Burton film, which is not so different from my own films. I just kind of feel bad for Selleck because everybody kind of just associates this as a Tim Burton film. Yeah, so Tim Burton is actually like speaks out about that a lot. Yeah. Like if people assume it, he's like, no, no. Um, and he, get, he gets like kind of annoyed if people forget that Henry Selleck directed it. Edward Ivory, I was just looking up, played Santa. But he doesn't. It looks like he might have just been a a voice actor, not a main mm-hmm. actor. Mm-hmm. Oh, that reminds me. The voice of Doctor Finkelstein is the voice is Uncle Lewis from National Lampoon's Vacation. Oh, <laughs> when he's like, "Where's my stogie?" Yeah, <laughs> a blessing. A blessing. Yeah, so that's Uncle Lewis is is Doctor Finkelstein. Thought you guys nice. love that. Nice. Uh, so he was in a Christmas movie, and Catherine O'Hara was the mom in Home Alone. Uh-uh. Christmas connections here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in 2013, Catherine O'Hara participated in Danny Elfman's music from the films of Tim Burton, like a kind of retrospective, to perform Sally's song from the film. 
she received a standing ovation when she entered the stage as well as when she left, which I think uh-huh. is nice. Yeah. She's so talented. <laughs> so talented. Uh, yeah. Hyderberg, you've got to watch Shit's Creek. You do. Seriously. All right. Uh, in the original poem written by Tim Burton, the only characters that existed were Jack, Zero, and Santa. All the other characters were made up for the movie, although he describes some of the presents which were handed out, including, in some cases, the names of children. Okay, here's one that I love. Here's like maybe my favorite trivia fact. Originally in the movie, Oogie Boogie was going to be a disguised Finkelstein. Finkelstein, upon de- defeat would admit that he was doing this because he was jealous that Sally chose Jack over him. This hints that Sally might have originally been more of a love interest of Finkelstein's rather than a daughter. This ending was changed as it came out of nowhere with a serious lack of any setup. Their producer, Tim Burton, hated the idea so much he reportedly kicked a hole in a wall after hearing it. Good for Tim. I'm glad they got rid of it. It wouldn't Uh, have aged well either. It's not a great idea to begin with. mm -mm, Mm-mm, mm-mm. Uh, so this kind of surprised me. Tim Burton and Danny Elfman, who have worked together many, many times, experienced creative differences during filming. So for this reason, Tim Burton chose Howard Shore to write the film score of Ed Wood in 1994. Ooh. So I guess uh-huh. they had a little tiff. But I love Howard Shore. He does he does a lot of Cronenberg's movies. He did The Fly, and I love the score for The Fly. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Also a Christmas movie. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, since October 2001, a seasonal overlay of the Disneyland Park, California and Tokyo Disneyland Haunted Mansion attractions called Haunted Mansion Holiday, which combines the characters and the setting and theme of the ride with the characters and storyline of this film. In order to achieve this, the ride is closed for two and a half weeks in late summer so it can be decorated for Christmas and then is reopened before closing again in January to dismantle the ride back to its original format. However, Disney World in Orlando does not do this. Fun fact. I've been to Disneyland twice. Mm -hmm. Haunted Mansion is my favorite ride. All I want is to ride the classic Haunted Mansion. Both times I have been to Disneyland, it's been during Nightmare Before Christmas overlay. Oh, no. So go during a different time. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's very cool. But I'm like. I just want and the real thing. You need thing. to see this yeah. twice. <laughs> you never like going to Disneyland. You never went to the OG one. Oh, that no, one. No, I've only been twice, and it During both times holidays. were in November. Yeah, okay. and like I didn't go like up. as a kid. I've I've been like the first time I went was in like 2010. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's cool, but you know, <laughs> I won't spoil it if you get out there. So, <laughs> hey, don't spoil the ride. I mean, I think I know what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it is different though from the um the orlando one it's, it's different uh the scene in which lock shock and barrel the three trick-or-treaters remove their masks was based on the episode of the twilight zone the masks it was inspired by that which was very influential on um tim burton as a child there you go nice. it's my favorite mm. twilight zone episode that one's good directed by a woman one. also the first twilight zone episode directed by a woman that's awesome. I, f- I feel like I remember you telling me that before. Mm-hmm. That's a good fact. <laughs> uh, Henry Selleck was the reason that Jack's signature suit was adorned with thin white pinstripes. Uh, the decision was made in order to have the character stand out on an already dark colored set. Makes sense. Hmm. Um, Oogie Boogie was the toughest character to animate because of his big size and being shapeless. Um, ultimately, 
Rick Heinrichs had to re-sculpt it. And then when he gets his skin pulled off and he's filled with bugs, that took some years off a few animators' lives, says um, Henry Selleck. He says it's three or four killer shots and it took about four months. Oh, boy. <laughs> to animate the bugs and stuff? Wow. wow. Yeah, that is crazy. That, again, that's like a labor it. of love. Yep. That's dedication that you just don't find with people who are animating in CG. Uh, Danny Elfman wrote the songs for the movie before there was actually a script to go off of. He wrote the iconic songs after Burton described bits and pieces of the story to him. He said, Tim would show me sketches and drawings and he would tell me the story, describe it in bits of phrases and words. And I would say, yeah, I got it. Three days later, I had a song. That's talent. Wow. Yeah. Kind of already said that part. Mm -mm -mm. Uh, Henry Selleck said there was only one thing in the entire film that Disney asked me not to do. He said it was the clown with the tearaway face. The first design when he tore his face away was bloody and awful. Mm. I didn't have a problem changing it because it never quite felt right. And there were other things like where Sally gets her arm pulled off. I stuffed leaves in there where some of the guys working on it wanted to make her like a Frankenstein made of real body parts. So I guess like old flesh and bones and stuff. So he had her stuffed with leaves instead. So I thought that was interesting. Um, some of the Heidelberg, I think you kind of already hit on this, but some of the presents Jack delivers to the kids are nods to other Tim Burton films. The snake looks like a sandworm from Beetlejuice and the shrunken head is from the afterlife waiting room in yeah. Beetlejuice. Yeah. The cat and duck are both featured in Batman Returns. Yeah. Oh, the cat yeah. as the mascot for Shrek's department store and the duck resembling a vehicle driven That's by the right. Because I th- mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there was also like a float of the of the cat's head or something like that. And the duck, yeah, there was a penguins. And you say there's like bullet holes in it. That's mm-hmm. what they mean. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, I like this just little observation. During Jack's first visit to Christmas Town in the song What's This? We see him unintentionally smashing a snowflake, destroying a snowman, and scaring a little sleeping elf. A taste of the unwitting destruction that Jack's curiosity in Christmas will bring. Mm. So that's kind of funny. I love that moment where he's like, What's this? And the elf is like, <gasps> Like wakes yeah. up in he his like little where's the, the snowman? <laughs> yeah, it's a little <laughs> I just took me an hour. It's a little me. terrifier if you ask yeah. me. Oh. So it, in uh on the trivia note, I found a little blurb about the legend that Jack might be based on. Oh um okay. so this is so this is just somebody on, on Reddit. So take this with a grain of salt, but it, it'll give you a jumping off point. Um Jack Skellington is Stingy Jack from the old folk tale. For those who don't know the tale of Stingy Jack, the gist of it is that Stingy Jack tricked the devil into not taking into taking his soul not once but twice. As a result, when he died, he was not welcome in heaven but could not go to hell either. He was caught between the planes of good and evil. Furthermore, Jack Skellington is referred to as the Pumpkin King, as in King of Jack-o'-lanterns, and it just so happens that Stingy Jack was also none other than a jack-o'-lantern himself. He was given an ember, which he put in a turnip to light his way, and he got the name of Jack of the Lantern, which I've heard that uh, oh. I've heard that story before. So if you want to dig into the legend of Stingy Jack a little bit, that may or may not be where Jack Skellington came from, but there's enough evidence to make me think that maybe it is. So I just brought you a little bit of light and shadow. I nice. was just going to say, if you like that kind of stuff, you should listen to her podcast because that's what yes. you like. Exactly. Yeah, that actually sounds totally plausible to me. I do want to read up on that. Yeah. 
me also somewhere other than just reddit <laughs> <laughs> all no, right well guys I, I think that was a really good discussion um on nightmare before christmas i was kind of wondering like are they gonna like have stuff they want to say about this or like i don't know what you guys i didn't know where you guys were gonna go with it so i'm just glad that you were into it but um all right so that is nightmare before christmas hydroberg next week it's your pick it is my pick next week what have you chosen for your um your first halloween month it's, film it's not a musical okay what? uh next week we're gonna have a what? special guest in jim g baby oh Corpus. oh yeah podcast. he's coming back for his second return you know he's gonna try and catch up with uh Nicole, Nicole, what is this like your sixth or seventh time on the podcast? I think this is six. Six. Okay. Um, yeah, so he's coming on. We're going to be covering 2001's Donnie Darko. Ooh. All right. Which, if you've seen it, does have Halloween vibes. Mm-hmm. Sure does. <laughs> and it's different. So that's why I picked it. That's good. I'm well, glad. Yeah. The, the discussion also came out is that technically a horror movie or a thriller, but. Exactly. We can discuss that. I'm open to it. Yeah, let's. All right. So we will be covering Donnie Darko from 2001. Um, in the meantime, you if you want to share your thoughts about Nightmare Before Christmas or Donnie Darko, you can email us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cut above horror. You can catch us on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. Nicole, where they where can they find you? You can find me at Light and Shadow Pod on Instagram and Facebook, and uh, you can find my show Light and Shadow, a horror podcast, wherever you find your podcasts. And um, right now at uh, my website, lightandshadowpod.com, right there on the homepage, I have a link to the Halloween Vault, which is where I put all my Halloween content from the past in one convenient place. So you can listen to um, past episodes about Halloween Horror Nights visits. Um, I have an episode um, all about witches. I have a couple spooky story readings. So thank you. I love them. So that's a good place to go uh, check out some spooky content. You can yeah. also hear Nicole on some of our previous episodes, many <laughs> of them. Session nine, Malignant. May, May, Malignant. What else, Nicole? Mm, I can't remember. <laughs> Were you on Tourist Trap? No. No. no that was Bob. No. Mm. You've been on too many Misery. to remember. Misery. 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 Yes. 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 That was the most recent one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I knew there was something else. Uh, so yeah, make sure you check out our past episodes featuring Nicole as well, because they're awesome. They she are. Adds a lot. They are. <laughs> and go follow us on Facebook, I Cut Above, colon, Horror Review. And I'm going to say a huge thank you to everybody that's given us a five-star review on Spotify, the reviews and the rating on iTunes. Thank you. And wherever you're listening to your podcast, thank you. Yep. All right. I had fun talking about Nightmare Before Christmas with all of you guys and Fellas, I'll see you back here next week talking about Donnie Darko. And keep it creepy. Creepy.